0: And now a word from our new sponsor, Birdland Sports. Baseball season is finally here. And what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by Orioles fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like birds are coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and World Series prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the Orioles with Birdland Sports. Visit birdlandsports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's.
2: Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started.
0: Welcome to On the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And On tonight's episode, we're going to dive into Orioles spring training and gear up for the regular season with Andy Koska from the Baltimore Banner. And we'll get started with the interview in just a moment, but first, we're excited to announce a new initiative for the 2023 season that we think our patrons are going to enjoy, and I'll turn that over to Bob to discuss the specifics.
3: Yeah, so we've been thinking about how we're going to start covering the major leagues more since all these guys we followed up through the system the past two or three years now have uh, kind of arrived, and we want to... You know, as the team is good, we want to be along for that ride as well. So I think every weekend now, we will have a bonus podcast, a Major League mailbag, so to speak, where one of us will rotate each week and we will answer listener questions and just talk about what's going on that week at the Major League level. And it will be exclusively an early look for patrons. We'll release it first to patrons and then a day or two later, we'll put it on the main feed. So if you want to be a part of that, Sign up for our Patreon.
0: And sign up for as little as $3 a month right now. And at our 5 and $10 levels, you will get bonus daily content, not just the Major League Mailbag segment, which will start this weekend, but daily recaps throughout the regular season. So be sure to check that out now. And while Brent introduced tonight's guest, he is a beat writer over at the Baltimore Banner covering the Orioles. Uh, he is Andy Koska. Andy, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, and first off, you, you've been on our show before. You've actually had a couple of appearances before this, but this is the first time we've had you on since you joined the banner. So, congrats! And how's that new
1: assignment going? Oh, it's great. Uh, I encourage—I know, you know—I definitely encourage people to you know, become patrons w- with you guys. But if uh, if they have an extra dollar sitting around after <laughs> after subscribing to you guys, uh, six six months for one dollar of the banner, you can uh, you can read all of all of my stuff and. and and other orals or content we have coming up down the down the pipeline. So recommend it if, if you have the opportunity, we co signed yes.
2: that. <laughs> yeah, I it just have to mind. say the vibe, the vibe of this show is does feel a little bit different, though, because you're not at Camden Yards in the press box this time, which was like <laughs> one of my favorite episodes to go back and listen to that. The ambiance was uh, top notch.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that, was, that was a fun one.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, I don't think a lot of our listeners realize that there is actually a PA system inside the press box until they heard that episode. I'm going to start off with this, which is that it feels like it's a different season than we've seen in the Michael Iester team, young team with a lot of prospects arriving, a lot of good young players on this roster coming off a unexpected winning season. So what is the vibe like in camp this year?
1: Yeah. Um, I think there's this like, it's it's kind of a two edged sword where people have high expectations for what the Orioles can can do inside the clubhouse, you know, the, the you know those players that they, they are confident in, in what they managed last season, and and they feel like they can they can back that up with another winning campaign and a push to the playoffs, and and you know the amount of amount of postseason talk is you know something we haven't heard. I've I've only covered the team. This is my second full season, so I you know, obviously haven't had the experience, but just from from you know people beyond like you know talking about the postseason this openly is, is a new thing in baltimore and um, but the the other side of that is, is they, there's a acknowledgement that you know march 30th when that comes around the record is 0 and 0 and they haven't done anything yet and so um, there's hope and excitement and expectations but they have to live up to them and uh, you know th- there's there's every possibility that You know some of the you know magic, so to speak, if you want to use that use that term, you know that that came last year to um, you know give it above 500 record. Um, You know we'll we'll see if that kind of can translate to 2023. Um, Especially you know you look at some of the bullpen arms last year, a lot of them performed at like the 95th percentile of what, what they were expected to, and and that's tough to have for an entire season again. So we'll kind of see if if lightning strikes twice. Um, I you know the players you know a full season of Adley, a full season of Gunner. You think you know there'll be a natural step forward. You know these guys, you know Kyle Stowers full season. You you figure guys will take steps steps forward. But um, I'll believe it kind of when, when we see it, and when when we see uh, just kind of how this team gels uh, in the regular, regular season uh, will be. You know, that, that'll, that'll be the true true telling point. But at least, you know, to answer your actual question, at least early in camp, uh, a lot of excitement, uh, a lot of postseason talk.
3: I think you just started something. Let's call it Orioles magic. I've never heard that anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, You know, we're only a couple of
2: days away from opening day now, so you've had a long look at these guys over spring training. And uh, looking at this question now, I I can tell who wrote this one before. (laughs) Um, Every year we say, you know, spring training doesn't mean anything as far as, like, the stat line goes. And we were kind of talking about about this before the show started. But um, as far as, you know, indicator for regular season success, yet every year we see people overanalyze the spring training results. So where are you at on spring training from? Brian Baker is going to be justified to trade Gunnar Henderson while you still can.
1: Um, (laughs) I I think uh, you know baseball is such a large sample size sport, and these guys have thirty at bats, if that. Um, Anyone at any point of the season can have a two for thirty stretch, and anyone can have a fifteen for thirty stretch. You know it, it. it happens. And uh, I really think at this point, uh, no results are, are worth overanalyzing. Uh, Gunnar Henderson is fine. And is, he hit a home run today. Uh, he had a triple on Friday. Uh, he had a had a walk in and in a single on Saturday or whatever day it was. I think it was Saturday. Uh, he's going to be fine. Um, maybe it was Sunday at the, at the walk. I'm, I'm missing my days up a little bit. But like he's, he's going to be fine. He, you know, the wrist is healed. Um, you know, he missed some, sometime early in camp, just didn't see live, live ABs and got, you know, basically got into, was thrown into games, um, to get ready without live ABs before that, uh, which naturally is it, going to be, you know, a little bit of a, little bit of a, um, you know, a, a little bit of trial and error there. Uh, when, when you haven't seen live pitching in that setting since October of the previous year, um, but he will be fine. Brian Baker will be fine. Um, I think you know, I have the I have the tendency sometimes too of like looking at, you know, you look at like early Joey Crable stats, you know, eight runs and two outings for him. And and I was hitting, you know, the the panic button about like what's going on with Joey Crable? And and now he's, you know, four scoreless innings since then. Um, you know, maybe maybe he still doesn't make the opening day roster just with how how you know, competitive the bullpen is. It's entirely possible he's kind of an odd man out in that situation. But I think I think there's oftentimes like spring training is really is a time to, for guys to try things out. Um, you know, Kyle Gibson messed with his delivery, uh, you, know, the, you know, yesterday, and and he's it worked great. Uh, today, Kyle Bradish messed with where he started his hands, and it, he didn't like it. It didn't go well. He gave us some runs. That's that's what this is for. You know, it's the entire, like, this is the time to try things out, and if it doesn't work, okay, back to the drawing board or go back to what, what had worked before then. If it works, phenomenal, and, and you feel better going into the season. So I don't think there's anything, like, really to, to worry about. Um, you know, it's so it's so early in camp, and, and there, there'll be stretches of the season in which Gunnar Henderson will slump. And, you know, that happens to Mike Trout. It happens to Kelvin Gutierrez. Uh, it happens to... Every player on every spectrum, yeah, maybe a little bit more for one than the other, but <laughs> you know, it, on, all, all players on on you know high and low do that. So,
3: yeah, and when it comes to the pitching staff, it feels like there's only just a couple, one or two spots available. I mean, Cole Irvin, Kyle Gibson, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, in some order, seems like it's going to be the rotation. Then you got Felix Bautista, Perez, Aiken, Tyler Wells, Austin Voth, Michael Givens, seem like locks for the bullpen maybe Brian Baker, but between that, after that, you have DL Hall, Mike Bauman, Andrew Pellitti, Joey Crable. Who do you see filling out the bullpen to start the year?
1: Yeah, I have a story coming out tomorrow morning um, with my official roster projection for opening day, <laughs> uh, but people can have a sneak peek right now. Uh, I, have, I have Andrew Pellitti, uh making the opening day roster, uh, not necessarily – you know, lasting the entire 2023 season. I mean, we've seen that before in, in 2021 with, with Ben McDonald's nephew, you know, was was given back to to the Reds um, after like 10 innings, 17 innings, something like that. Um, didn't didn't exactly work out the way they had hoped. Um, so it's p- entirely possible that Politi, you know, comes in and doesn't have a great start to the year and, and they decide that a, a change needs to happen. And then, you know, you're kind of out of luck there. But um, he has been, he's been good in camp. Uh, one one outing was you know troublesome. Two home runs in that in that one outing. I think four for four earned runs. Um, but six scoreless outings beyond that. And you know you you give him an opportunity. I mean, there's a reason they picked him up in the Rule Five draft. They believed in what he had. Um, and you have a little bit of flexibility with a guy like Crable. You can option him to start the season. Um, you know it, it, it's tough just based on you know such a great first half last year. But when you look at his latter half in August until September, you know, in, into late September, uh, he was a different pitcher. Um, you know, obviously just ran into some trouble there. Um, he's found, you know, he's found his rhythm in camp again. So it feels harsh, but you know, it's, it's a tough, there's not many spots open. And I would, I would say Baker's a lock. I know you, he was kind of a bubble for you, but I think he's a lock um, deal hall. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised at all if he if he made the opening day roster as a bullpen arm. Definitely not as a as a starter, uh, just because he's not built up to be a starter yet with a back injury that kind of slowed his uh, progression down. Uh, but I, I kind of think he has more long term value as a starter, and so I wouldn't be shocked if he starts in AAA, um, you know, as as a starting pitcher and, and kind of builds up more in that in that sense. Um and and who else was on there? Uh Mike Bauman. Uh he's been great out of the bullpen the last two outings. Um, you know, he's developing a sweeper. I have a story coming out soon about his about a sweeper and and why he why he added it. Um it really like it it does it it pairs well with he has a slider that's really more like a cutter. It's really, really tight. And the sweeper off of that is is, you know, a a very deceptive pitch. Um, you know, when he tunnels it well. Um, so I think, you know, you'd like a lot of what, what Bauman has, but I just don't know if he's going to break through into that opening day bullpen. Um, so we'll see. But I think Politi kind of gets the nod at the beginning, and then you see, you know, what can he do? You know, can, he, can you strike gold in, in the Rule 5 draft like, like you know, they have before. You know, it, it's worked in the, in the past. Sometimes it hasn't worked, sometimes it has. And, and you know, we'll see exactly what happens. But I think he will probably get the nod purely because, um you know, there's less flexibility with him that you know, they have to kinda of have him on that on that twenty six man.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. And speaking of DL Hall, he had his first appearance today. One and two thirds. Seemed like his command looked pretty good, at least from what I heard, I was out and about when, when he came into the game. But did you hear anything about how he felt or looked following that? I know you weren't at the game today, but have you heard anything?
1: Yeah, I was on I was on a, a beautiful hike at Robinson uh preserve uh along the along Tampa Bay. So I have I can tell you more about the birds I saw than, than Dio Hall, but <laughs> uh, but I, I what what I what it looked was was he was good, uh touched 95 miles per hour with a fastball, um which is promising. Uh you know, had some strikeouts in there. Um I'll have to I, I unfortunately don't have a better better analysis than that just because I was I was not on the stadium today, but uh, but yeah, I mean, for, from all accounts, I know uh, J.O. Meyer from the Sun, he wrote a story on it and said he looked, looked real good. So, check out that Sun story if uh, if, if you're really interested in what DL did today. So, you might have
0: just touched on this with Andrew Politi, but do you see any surprises on the 26 man opening day roster? Uh, aside from that,
1: um,
3: spoiler your whole article right here. Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly. I I maybe it's a maybe more of a surprise is that I don't see any of the backup first baseman options making it. Um and I, I remember I I've talked with Bob before about this, that you know it's a it's an interesting competition and and we've all, you know, I think been guilty of like playing up this competition about like backup first base, you know, and we we've written a lot of stories about it. But um at the end of the day, I think the O's are. And I could be entirely wrong. Like, you know, in, in one week, you know, people can can quote this and be like, wow, he doesn't know anything. But uh, I, I think the O's are comfortable with the idea of McCann playing a little bit of backup first base, uh, Anthony Santander playing backup first base, and Vavra, even if you need him to, playing backup first base. Um, again, Mountcastle is going to take most of the games there. You know, he, he's, he's really, you know, he'll play the, the vast majority of his games at first base. So you're only looking at, like, you know, 40 games that you need to have, a, have a, you know, another option there, which maybe you feel comfortable once a week, you know, having Dare play there and McCann play there another day a week, you know, you know, that, that could be, that could be enough to keep Castle pretty healthy and, and a good spot. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, even with, you know, how Frenchie, Franchi Cordero has, has batted really well uh, this off season or not this offseason, sorry, this spring training um, Ryan O'Hearn before that knee injury, uh batted really well um he's getting you know he's just getting kind of his rhythm back but e- even now is that bats to look pretty good uh since his return from the knee injury um i think both of those guys would be great depth options it's entirely possible with cordero that he opts out of his contract if he gets if you know if he's if he's you know tried you know attempt to send down to uh to triple he, a he might look for an opportunity elsewhere but you know o- o'hearn has an option so you can stash him in triple a um and you think you'll feel pretty good about the depth that he has. If there is an injury, he can play corner, outfield, and first base. And you feel pretty good about that. Uh, of course, they just they just optioned Lewin Le- Le- Diaz today. Um, so, or I guess reassigned would, would be the correct term. But, um, you know, so they, they have him as a depth option. Um, we'll see exactly how it all plays out. But I think maybe that is the surprise um, that. You know they don't necessarily have a stereotypical backup first baseman. Uh, I also see. I know people have been somewhat down on Ryan McKenna, um, just as you know it is, is his place. You know, up you know, in jeopardy. Uh, I see him making that opening day roster. I think he adds a lot defensively in those three outfield spots. Uh, plus, just from a from a standpoint of, you know, if, if Cedric Mullins, he, he worked a lot on left on left matchups. But if Cedric Mullins runs into issues left on left, Ryan Mountcastle hit 271 against left-handed pitchers last year. So you feel really good about him playing center field against a left left-handed pitcher. If you know Mullins needs needs a day off, or if they just decide like you know maybe maybe his 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 batting against left on left isn't where exactly where they want it. You feel pretty confident confident with with McKenna in there. So I do think McKenna makes makes the team on opening day. Um, you know that. I don't have any like juicy, you know, juicy things for you. I, I don't, I honestly don't think, um, you know, we'll see a Kowser immediately. I mean, he's, he's played great this, this spring, but I just, I think, you know, probably A to begin and then you'll see him at some point this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of a lot of the, the prospects, I don't necessarily see some of the, um, hotter picks, you know, the, the, the guys that are a little bit, you know, um, on the outskirts make, making that opening day roster, but we'll see, you know, I've, I've been wrong many times in my life, so I'll be ready for it again.
3: No Heston at opening day, right field.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And, and I think he, he, he needs another, I mean, obviously we, we all know, you know his history. He he would need a little bit more time, but he, uh, speaking of Heston mm-hmm. phenomenal power and really has been a, very impressive this year, Um this spring. So we'll see him at some point, Um, you know, if it's later this summer or not, who knows, but at some point, you know, we'll see him. Yes.
2: Well, let's talk about a prospect who seems like a lock to make the opening day roster, uh, Grayson Rodriguez and last two outings. He's looked sharp early on. looked looks like Grayson Rodriguez that we know so well, but then struggles kind of hit him in the fourth inning or so. Do you think that's a sign of something that he is really needs to work on as he adjusts to the majors or is that just a blip on the radar?
1: I think it's kind of a, a blip on the radar. I know he had a, he was, he was dealing with a headache, um, uh, against the Red Sox that got worse as the game went on. Um, Mm -hmm. so that kind of like factored into it a little bit. Uh, he didn't want to make that an excuse of course, but, Mm -hmm. um, that, I mean, that's, you know, potentially something there. He, Brandon Hyde said, he, uh, got a little fatigued in that fourth inning. Just, just seemed like the fatigue, maybe we'll see if that is a thing that kind of happens, you know, a little bit more frequently. I I don't think it should be an issue. Um, we, you know, we've seen him work deep into games in, in the minor leagues before, and, and has not had an issue with fatigue. It could just be an early spring thing. Um, I think it, I think it's just a blip on the map, and and, and they're you know pretty confident that um, you know they being Hyde and, and Grayson, you know that this is a this is a good learning opportunity for him. Um, I think more of it was I look at it like maybe a second time through the order. Um, mm. You know, teams are picking up on something. You know, against the Red Sox, and that's a good lineup that he faced. Uh, Adam Duvall with, with the homer. I think it was uh, Devers had a, had a double off him. Um, there was a liner. I forget who hit the liner uh, for the first out of that third inning, but that was a rocket shot right at the shortstop. Um, you know, that was that was an out, but I think it came off the bat. You know, incredibly hard. So those are the, you know, three hard contact right out. You know of the you know top of the top of the order for the second time through the, through the batting order. Um, maybe there's something there that we're going to see a little bit more frequently where he's going to have to learn how to, you know, just, you know, alter, alter something, um, you know, going forward, but I don't think he's concerned. I don't think the Orioles are concerned. And um, I I do think he'll, he will make the opening day roster. It, It would be, I guess the, you could use it as an excuse right if you were the front office being like you know we we do want to make sure that the fourth inning isn't an issue going forward it would make it would make sense as a lot you know logical you know if, if you'd like to have him in triple a for a little bit but i don't think he really has much to prove in the minors as you know we've all seen it and um i think he, he will do more for this team uh in Baltimore.
2: yeah how do you th- See the Orioles. Let's say he makes the opening day roster. How do you see the Orioles kind of managing his innings this season? Any sense into that, or any guesses what we could look for there?
1: Yeah, um, that's a player by player. We, we kind of asked Elias right before right before spring training. Uh, we went down for spring training. We, we talked with Elias about pitch counts and, and and what we might expect from from a guy like Grayson um, and, and some other other players. And and he said it's really kind of like. Player by player, they don't necessarily have like a a, an exact like oh he's throwing you know 100 innings and and that's it. They'll they'll monitor throughout the year how he's doing. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, when John Means gets back into the mix uh, if John Means is, is a late. Is is a late inning or, or a late season addition? Um, maybe they do piggybacking between you know John Means for two innings, Grayson for a couple of innings. Yeah, who knows what's possible? Maybe, maybe maybe they decide DL can piggyback with with Grayson after you know four innings of Grayson. Maybe, maybe that's the maybe that's the way they go later in the summer. A lot of ways they can do it, but they definitely I, I think they'll be very cognizant. I mean. Grayson has a, has a very bright future, and they're they're not going to be willing to, um, you know, put him in any any harm's way, you know, by forcing him to to go deeper into games or deeper into the season. I know he he wants, you know, you know, no no restrictions. But, you know, he, he's a very competitive guy, but um, the O's will be very cognizant of, of what that pitch count will be.
3: Yeah. I've been drooling about a Grayson DL tandem ever since I thought of of that a few, few weeks ago, but Orioles fans are not drooling over Kyle Gibson and Er Cole Irvin, uh, when they signed them and traded for them over the off season. But Gibson has pitched really good this spring and you know, he was tinkering with stuff and still he's been lights out and Irvin quickly endeared himself to fans. Seems like a a pretty easygoing guy that fans should, should enjoy watching. And, uh, He's also pitched pretty good. What impact have they had in camp so far?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, what what interests me about both of them is that is that they're both using the the new pitch com system. On, on Irvin has it on his belt. Uh, Gibson, Gibson has it on his glove. Um, it it kind of helps with just the learning curve for McCann. Already knew Gibson really well. They, he had mm-hmm. faced him so so much in his career that he knew his arsenal really well. But for a rushman who has you know not catched catch these guys ever you know it 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 helps the especially in the spring just learning you know what sequencing they like to do against certain certain batters and in certain counts um that has been interesting just you know they're they're very willing to um kind of offer their insight to other pitchers and and to catchers um in game or out of you know out of games and i don't think it's a i definitely don't think it's an accident that Cal Gibson's locker is right next to Grayson Rodriguez's locker. Uh, mm-hmm. That is on purpose, uh, and you know Gibson is, is a you know that veteran presence that they they really like, and pitched he's pitched phenomenally well this this spring. Uh, what fourteen innings and, and no walks, mm-hmm. and two runs against him. You know that's. It, it, I would be surprised if he wasn't the opening day starter. Um, you know, I know it's everyone loves to talk about opening day starter. Um, it kind of doesn't really matter who takes the ball on opening day because a week later we forget about it and, and everyone's just in the rotation. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, the honor probably will go to him just being the veteran of the group and, and with how strong he has been this spring um, his changeup looked phenomenally well uh, last time out. And uh, I think when that's going well, it, it really helps with making his fastball seem a, that has, has a little bit, extra hop on it when you know it's not what it was but um it it, when when he's when he compare those two together it's it's really promising so uh so far i mean yeah so so far i think they've been both you know good additions uh both locks for the rotation um core Irvin, especially is just you know really fascinating to talk to and you know listen to um he knows a lot about different pitches and sequencing and, and sometimes he he will try to throw innings sometimes where he only uses his four seam and two seam fastball in an entire first inning, just to see if he can, if he can go inside and out on guys, and if he can establish just those two pitches in a first inning, it unlocks everything uh, after that. Um, which I always find he hasn't done it yet this spring, but he's done it a couple of times in his in his career in the major leagues where he's successfully done a first inning only throwing two seam and four seam, which. Uh it, that two seam is really like a sinker, but uh you know, calls it a calls it a two-seam. But uh just kind of a fascinating guy uh that you can you know plan that thing out and, and do it in a game. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you know maybe not the flashiest, you know, you know, flashiest signings um or in trade this offseason, but uh they definitely add a lot to the a lot to this pitching staff.
3: Yeah, one interview during actually one of the rare mass in uh broadcast what interview with cole irvin i'm like this guy could be an announcer one day he's just got the gift of gab or whatever you want to call it
0: um adley ruts with adley rutsman we saw the difference that he made um pretty much from day one last year in terms of how the team performed how the pitching staff performed with him behind the plate versus when robinson serenos was back there and the fact that he missed um as much time as he did yet had a five win season got close to winning American league rookie of the year says a lot about the way he played. What do you think, what kind of difference do you think he can make being on the roster for the full season, as opposed to not being on the team
1: until mid May, like he was last year? Uh, defensively starting, starting with that, um, best blocking catcher in baseball. Um, terrific, uh, terrific pitch framer. Um, People in the O's clubhouse loved Robinson Torino's and for for very good reason. You know, great veteran presence, um, really understood what it was like to play for a team competing for something, and I think that was incredibly valuable to have his voice in the clubhouse when uh, suddenly the the O's were competing for something. Um, to have his perspective, um, but you know, he was a shortstop growing up. You know, he was not a natural catcher uh and, and you could kind of see it with some of his pitch framing wasn't always as precise as 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 Adley who um is a very refined defensive catcher he could have defensively probably could have played in the majors the day he got drafted uh just you know had to develop offensively uh, not that he wasn't already good offensively but um i think and then you add offensively the other side of the coin and you know we we've seen it he feels like his it's funny you know Throughout his career, it wasn't necessarily this way, but last year he was better from the left side of the plate against righties than from the, from the right side of the plate against lefties. And generally it wasn't that way. Uh, it was either pr- pretty split or inverse of that. Uh, but this offseason really worked on, on uh, being adjustable. The plate uh, can go from both sides. Uh, and his right-handed swing, he says, feels better than ever. Uh, and, you know, looks, looks great. Uh, we'll see, you know, what that, what that, what that looks like come actual season. But you, you figure a, a very, you know, very strong offensive, uh, offensive capabilities for Adley, and then you add on top his elite defense, and you know, you got to love what you have uh, behind the plate if you're if you're Baltimore.
0: What kind of work has he been doing um, at the plate this offseason? Because if you really had to nitpick something last year with Rutzman, it would be how he hit as a right-handed hitter against left-handed pitching. So what has he been doing to try to improve in that
1: area? Yeah. I mean, that, that was, that was kind of the main, the main thing he did work on. Um, I forget the exact adjustments. You know, there, a lot of them were were pretty minute. Um, uh, a lot of it was, was reps against a righty, uh, or against a, a lefty as a righty. Um, uh, I, you know, we'll see exactly what it is. I don't have for you, like off the top of my head, exactly what it changed. I think I wrote a story on on Adley early this season about his off season in uh in Oregon. So if, shameless plug. If people look up the banner feature on uh on Adley, there there probably is more info in there. But my head's been swimming with with forty different guys. Uh, but but definitely, I, I think yeah, the, the nitpick would be what he did as a as a right-handed batter last year, and he knew that. You know, he he's, he's focused on. I'm becoming, um, but you know, both sides of the plate, uh, you know, his splits not being as extreme as they were last year.
3: Kind of so, love the intangibles too. I mean, it seems like his interview skills on those, uh, social media tweets from the Orioles official account are pretty funny and yeah. just seems like he's already taken over a leadership role. Is that the case?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think definitely, you know, he's already a leader, um, in, in that, in that clubhouse. Uh, it is interesting, you know, just the, the way, uh, you know, you, you'll see him in the in the clubhouse. You know, after a guy pitches or before he pitches, you'll see him at his locker, just picking their brain about what they want to do. You know, it's that, not that that's necessarily unique for catchers. Catchers do it all the time, but he seems to to really have a have a strong idea of what every pitcher, what makes every pitcher basically the, the best they can be, and he tries to maximize that. And I, I know you know saw him with Kyle Gibson this morning. Um, you know, really talking over his, his, yesterday start, um, you know, he, he's, he's definitely, definitely a leader in the clubhouse and, uh, you know, yeah, I, sometimes I, I wish there were fewer cliches in his, in his answers to us, but, uh, definitely on the, on the, on the social media stuff, um, social media stuff he's, uh, he's great with.
2: Yeah. They, they've coached him well in many aspects of, of his, uh, career, um, I got one more question about a, a major league guy here, Austin Hayes. I want your opinion about him because I know last time you were on, you convinced me about Jorge Mateo. You made me a bit of a fan. I was kind of down on him and it turned me around a little bit. Austin Hayes, though, I need you to turn me around on Austin Hayes. He last year finally had a career high in games played, like 145 or so games. But we know first half Austin Hayes versus second half Austin Hayes were kind of two different people. But now he's one of the hottest hitters in spring camp. Is there something that stood out to you this spring that makes you believe like 2023 is the year it all comes together for him?
1: Yeah, you know, Austin Hayes is not a guy who makes changes to his swing, usually throughout his career. And this offseason he made swing changes. Um uh, if you want like exact details on that, you're gonna have to wait for John Mioli to write his story about the exact swing changes. Hopefully he will write it for a publication, uh, if not his own, um, at some point soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that he has made swing changes, uh, you know, not complete overhaul or anything like that. But it um, looks he looks good at the plate. And, and, and last year, uh, you know, talking to him, the, the thing he was most proud of was that he never landed on the injury list. Uh, he did miss time. I think it was. You know, he had the hand injury that was was the one. I know he had soreness. I think of the oblique or or something like that. Missed a a couple games here or there. What wasn't injured, you know, injured list uh, level. That's what you know. He definitely wants availability to be a big part of his game. Um, But yeah, I, I think a lot of it will have to be, you know, can he can he maintain? He doesn't even need first half. Austin Hayes just like median Austin Hayes for for a full season is going to be the biggest question and um you know, so again you know so far in camp he's been great but it is 30 at bats or whatever 30 maybe a little higher for him because he's played so much but you know 40 at bats or whatever it is that he's hitting great um we'll see it on a larger sample size but the, 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 it's been very encouraging to start and uh you know you, you'll you'll read more about the swing changes from John Mioli but uh the the fact that he has tinkered a little bit and it has a, a quicker, um, you know, less uh, a little bit more direct to the to the baseball, um, not going around uh, going direct to it uh, has been a big help.
3: All right. I'm asking you this question because I know you know the answer and I know you can correct it. You can get this done. Why doesn't Ed Smith have pitch speeds or stat cast data available? Is that like a, a secrecy thing with the organization or is just that's just how it's been and they haven't changed it?
1: Uh, I actually wish I had the answer to you. Uh, my, my guess is that it's, uh, it's secrecy, um, you know, because they have, they have TrackMan. you know, for all their, you know, the internal metrics are, are there They you know, they study this stuff you know every day. Um, it's just, yeah, I would love, they do have a stadium radar gun. Actually, it's only, it only works about 50% of the time, but, um, it is on the, it is kind of blurry on the scoreboard, like a mile away in center, center field center field. Um, so you can't you can see speeds every once once in a while, but uh, I would love it if they if they got uh, you know if if we had Statcast going there to, to better analyze these guys, uh, but it, it makes kind of the away games fun because you do get Statcast. Um, so I guess double edged sword there. But I I, I do <laughs> conspiracy theory on my my end. I part of me always wonders like I think the O is just like you know hey let's you know let's keep this what our guys are doing internal. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised.
3: Yeah. I like the silver lining though. Yeah. Makes the road games fun. Yeah. Let's go with that.
0: Based on his comments publicly this spring, it seems like Brandon Hyde um, really enjoys playing these young players. These guys are probably ticketed for Bowie or Norfolk this year, or in Jackson holidays case, a ball Um, and he's putting them in challenging situations. So just from what you have seen this spring, um, who do you think in that group has stood out um, to Brandon Hyde and his staff and has probably done the most to improve their chances for major league time this
1: season? Absolutely. Heston Kirstad. Um I asked Brandon the other day um, who's kind of surprised him and, you know, didn't even need to think Heston Kerstad uh, surprised him the most just with the power, um, you know, even defensively, I, he made a couple nice, I don't know if it was on, on TV, but, um, I think it was Sunday, you know, made a couple of nice sliding catches, um, you know, just short, on just short on one, but made at least two sliding catches on, on ball shallow in, in left field. Uh, but, but Heston has, has very much impressed. And I think he's impressed just about everyone at, in camp, because if you kind of think about it, you know, he hasn't been around this group a, as much as, you know, like a lot of these guys have been together for so long and, and Heston has has battled the the injuries and in the, in the heart condition. So wasn't necessarily there from, you know, exactly when he was drafted. Um, so I, I think he's burst onto the scene and, and, and suddenly, you know, Hyde definitely realizes how phenomenal of a hitter Heston is and, and what you know, kind of bright future there is there. Um, and, I, and I think his teammates have taken notice too.
2: Yes. Well, to follow up on that uh, question from one of our patrons, Ben Dewars. He wants to ask uh, how quickly do you think the Orioles plan on moving with Do You think it'd be kind of status quo with him or because he's had such a good spring and because he's impressed the head guy and Brandon Hyde so much, maybe he's a fast tracked a little bit.
1: Yeah. I I, I don't think, um, I don't think I would be surprised if he was fast tracked. Um, Just, you know, he's, he's very mature. Um, You know, his, his age is, is right there alongside, you know, Stowers and, and, in rushman he's basically in that in that group of guys just he, we haven't seen him as much just because of of what he's had to go through um but i think definitely what, what he's done this spring and again you know sample size is, is everything you know small sample size but uh we'll, we'll see what he can do in the minor leagues early and if he can continue it i would not i would honestly would not be entirely shocked if he ended up in the majors this year but uh, that's pure, you know, conjecture on my part. Um, I think Cowser way closer, um, and, and would be the most likely option if, if any, if any of the outfield prospects will break through, it will be Kowser. But uh, Heston has absolutely, you know, impressed and um, definitely a, a fast track candidate, along with Holiday. I mean, Holiday, I, I think, is is a guy that you know. I don't think he will end the year in, in high A. You know, I, I think really double A would, would be the the logical end end year, and uh, you know probably start there next year and end up at triple a, you know, maybe, you know, maybe even faster. So we'll see exactly what happens with him. But as a 19 year old, you know, pretty, pretty impressive what he was able to do this spring.
3: Another guy that's been hitting pretty well and impressing is, uh, had a nice triple today exit velocity over a hundred miles per hour. Jordan Westberg seems likely to go back to Norfolk, but he is making that decision a little bit harder for the Orioles as the spring is going on. What do you think needs to happen for him to get major league time this year? And uh, follow-up from a listener also wants to know, do you have any insight in how the front office views Westbrook?
1: Um, I'll answer the first part first. Um, and I think an injury would have to happen for him to get major league time. Just be, it's a super crowded infield. Um, they did not sign Adam Frazier for 8 million to not play him and have him be a, a big part of the big part of the team. And I think, you know, um, you know, He's going to be there. Ramon will be there. Gunner will be there, and, and, and Mateo will be there. So those are four guys that are probably going to be in the lineup every day. You know, one of them maybe is a DH on the bench. What you know, whatever it is, but you're going to rotate those four guys, and you have Taryn Bavra, who great spring um, defensive versatility. Um, you know, has, has been even you know even better this this offseason um, because he added third base um, a little bit of first base in there too. He hasn't played it in the game, but third base has played a lot in the game. Um, so I, I think, uh, it will be a challenge for Westberg to probably break through immediately. Um, as for insight on, on the front office, um, I think they, I mean, they, they definitely like what he's been able to do, but if I had to, if I had to, uh, guess a little bit, he'd probably be one of the guys you would trade if you wanted a major major league talent coming back because he is he is major league ready and he's at a position where you have a Jackson Holiday coming up behind him um, you probably feel like you know Gunnar Henderson is, is going to be here for the long term uh, maybe you feel like you can't trade it trade a Jordan Westberg um, and you would be it would be painful for the front office when Jordan Westberg is an all-star somewhere um, but that's kind of the, the price of Impressive business and it's why they built a farm system that is this strong and um not saying that he w- would be traded not saying that they've shopped him around but um I, that just would be kind of the I, I, that same could be literally the same could be said for a jory ortiz you know a lot of those guys that like connor norby a lot of the guys in that ilk you know could be trade candidates but um definitely imp- impressive this spring and um if there's an injury i think he'd be one of the first guys, uh, they, they, would want to call up from Norfolk.
3: All right. Out of all the minor league signings that the Orioles made this offseason, who will make the biggest impact for the team in 2023? And why do you think it's Edward Bizardo? <laughs> uh,
1: I was, <laughs> I was, I was going to say, uh, I was going to say it's Reed Garrett or Edward Bizzardo. Um, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, I, I, I think, uh, bullpen, so much random things happen in, in bullpens, be an injury or, you know, somebody just it has a really difficult stretch and, and, you know, you need to change a pace in the bullpen. Um, I, I like what both of those guys bring with, uh, with sinkers, uh, splitters that the split for Reed Garrett has looked great. Um, something he developed in Japan when he was over there. Um, and they both have fastballs in, in mid to upper 90s. Uh, upper would be exaggerating, I think. Mid, you know, 95, 96 at most. Uh, but I, I think the arsenals have been good. Uh, a little up and down in spring so far. But um, I liked. Uh, you know, I like to imagine that um, they will see time in the major leagues uh, this season. Um, bullpen moves around a lot, you know, during during the year. And, and you never know which one of them might end up sticking and, and being a being a dude at, at some point during the year. But uh, th- those two guys are uh, under the radar uh, picks for me.
0: When you look at this team at the onset of the season, it feels like there's kind of some conflicting thoughts, at least among fans. Because on one hand, they had that surprising year last year. They have a really strong young core coming back. But at the same time, the Orioles didn't do a lot this offseason to add to the Major League roster. Maybe didn't didn't get that major piece that I think some fans really thought they were going to get or were hoping they were going to get. So now that we're kind of moving past the noise of the offseason a little bit, getting into the regular season, what do you think are realistic expectations for this team?
1: Um, I know – expectations externally are very high, Um, you know, playoffs. I think uh, it would be finishing above 500 would be, for me, the natural progression, kind of uh, maintaining uh, the progress from last year and making sure the team doesn't take a step backward. You know, you don't want like a two-step forward, one-step back situation where last year was the two-step forward just because of how big of an improvement it was, uh, you don't want this to be a, a one step back. Um, so that would I think be the, the natural thing for me. Um, just looking at what they did this offseason, you figure you have a full season of some of the prospects like you know Gunner, Adley um, that has to be a benefit. Um, you mentioned earlier how different the season was when Adley arrived in May. you know, you, you, you take what they did in may to october and that's a team that probably makes the playoffs if you if you extend it over you know inc- you know over the entire season if you if you average it out um so i think you know you you'd like the full season of those guys a full season of grayson uh, hopefully uh you know depending on pitch count but um i i just think that the main focus honestly has to be not taking a step back um and and a wild card would be a plus they want to make the postseason um i don't see a a pennant in you know in in the future but you know last year was uh was surprising so we'll see but um hopefully that answered your question i think i i lost you like in the middle there but um i zoned out for half a second but um i i think yeah just just make kind of maintaining and maybe even a step forward. 85 wins i think would be a would be a a good place to be even though it may it might not be exactly where you know, some fans would dream of being, but 85 wins would be a, a, a big accomplishment, in my opinion.
3: Honestly, that's a good point. I didn't really think about until you said it. That this whole offseason, it seems like their whole point was to not take a step back. Like you got a bunch of high floor, maybe not high ceiling acquisitions and just trying to, you know, keep the status quo. So, you know, instead of pulling a Tigers where they go out and sign all these big guys and then it kind of falls out from under them the year before. So, there was something there even if you lost the plot
1: <laughs> it's late for me it's, <laughs> it's uh it's passing that
2: <laughs> we'll kind of wrap up here we do have uh three more uh questions here from patrons I wanted to uh, ask you uh tim cheney shout out to tim we kind of talked about franchi a little bit but uh, he was really interested in knowing uh what odds do you give french cordero on making this roster and if he does who would be impacted
1: that's a great question. Uh, good job, Tim. Um, I, I think uh, he, he's hitting well enough. I think the, the thing that lets him down is his defense. Um, he's not a plus defender. Definitely not a plus defender in the outfield. Um, you know, they, they've tried him a little bit out there just to do the flexibility. Um, you know, first base, even I would, I haven't, I haven't seen enough of Santander, but I would almost think that Santander has higher upside of first base defense. Um, so that I think that's the one knock against against Franchi, Um but you love what the bat has been doing. He I mean the exit velo from him is is unreal. Um you know he hits balls hard even if it's at a guy it, he's consistently this spring is you know it's been very loud outs if not loud hits. Um to answer his question, I think um I'm not going to like put a percentage on something. I think it's You know, I I think he has an outside chance of making the roster. I think if he did make the opening day roster, it would impact a guy like Ryan McKenna. You you might see um, them deciding. We've seen a lot of Austin Hayes in center field. And obviously that's because Cedric Mullins is at the WBC. Um, But I think they're very comfortable with what Hayes can do in center. Um, We've even seen once Kyle Stowers in center. and, And, you know, if he can, if Stowers can, you know, be a center fielder. You know that's that's another positive and, and, and taryn valver played a lot of center when, when he first was traded over from, from the Rockies if you remember He hasn't played it you know since in, in the majors or anything like that but when he was first traded really was a, a second baseman a center fielder for, for the, you know in the O system. So I think he has a capability to play out there as well he hasn't played the spring but has the capabilities to do it. So I think um, McKenna might if if Franchi were to make it McKenna might be an odd man out and, and you know you do like Franchi as a designated hitter potentially um, on some days, when when you don't have you know Rushman DHing or Santander DHing, or I guess Adam Fraser DHing, if you really want want him in the lineup, uh, when when you have the other three guys in for the rest of the infield, um, I I feel like it'd be intriguing, um, but I will stick to my original projection that um, he is gonna they're gonna attempt to put him in AAA and see if he sticks.
3: Yeah. I think I agree with all that as well. Uh, David Adams would like to know, do you have any sense of who the Orioles may be interested in trading? Do you think there is a trade market for Julio Mateo Jorge Mateo, excuse me, Ramon Urias or Austin Hayes? And do you think the front office is wanting to make a trade to clear out some of the log jams that we have on the roster?
1: Um, I think there's interest from other teams and all three of those players um there's not many times you can get a player as electric as Jorge mateo uh who can play you know he's he's a shortstop but we saw with the padres you know can play all over the field um you know hasn't had to do that here but you know definitely could be a could be a thing he does you know for another team in the future or even for the o's you know if, if he ends up being more of a bench piece in the future you know it could be a kind of utility utility bench man um uh but yeah, I know I think all three technically would have would have interest from from teams I think right now the, the Os will stand pat um you know look at my phone and, and see in two minutes they'll they'll announce a the trade uh because I just said that but um I don't see anything imminent, but definitely this this off season um there was interest for those three nothing like that actually came to fruition obviously uh, but nothing that came close. And, um, I guess I, I, at some point would see a trade to kind of clear a log jam. I don't think that point is right now. I think maybe next, you know, next off season, um, before an arbitration, uh, deadline, uh, you, you, might see one of these guys traded, um, one of these guys being, um, like one of the starting outfielders, you know, a Hayes, I don't see Mullins, but, you know, maybe even Santander, um, which I, I really don't see Santander being traded, but, um, you know, you never know with, you know, when a guy gets to that point, they, they might trade just to, to free up a space for, for a Kowser or Heston Kerstad or, you know, or Jordan Westberg in the infield, you know, you know, trade somebody. Um, but definitely it's a possibility. Um, I just don't I don't see it at this point. Uh, I think you'd have to probably wait till the next offseason for one of those one of those trades that would kind of clear a spot for a younger guy. I will say before we get to our
0: last question, the Orioles do have a knack for announcing major news at a very inconvenient time. Yeah. So um, it's 9.54, 9.55 right now, Eastern on Monday night. They'll announce something at 10.48 uh, p.m. And, I'll be fast asleep. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait until next week to discuss it here, and you'll have to get some from the banner tomorrow morning. But um, Ben Dewar has a question about the backup first base battle. And I know we've kind of touched on this already, but how do you see that shaking out? It looks like you see all three of those guys, Diaz, O'Hearn, Cordero, not making the opening day roster. But if you had to guess right now, are all three of them in Norfolk? Is it just two of the three? How does that
1: play out? Uh, Diaz will be in Norfolk, most, most likely. Um, O'Hearn has the option, which makes him a little bit, um, easier to send um, down uh, to start the season in Norfolk. Uh, Cordero, we'll see if you know what shakes out there. Um, he might end up in in Norfolk. That'd be a really crowded, really crowded Norfolk. Um, Josh Lester ma- too. I mean, yeah, Josh Lester. I mean, maybe you trade one of them um, to, to free You know, before before spring training ends, maybe maybe you trade one of them. All of them have performed well, so I wouldn't be shocked if there's a market out there um to get you know a a reliever or you know something you know something back that you know you feel like has a high upside in, in that sense um I, I yeah I, I think they they have enough trust in Mount Castle to be uh an everyday first baseman and his, his uh durability to kind of deal with that. Um and then they they believe that the DH role can be a lot of different guys depending on who needs a break in the infield? Uh, it could be Stowers or Santander in the outfield. It could be Austin Hayes, you know, DHing a day. Um, I think they're they're probably pretty comfortable with the DH not being a set guy and being instead uh, more of a rotating role that gives a guy a day off his feet a little bit um, in the field, um, which limits you know, what a Cordero would do on the opening day roster, I, I think, but I've been wrong so many times before. So I, I entirely like, I'm, I'm very aware that I you know, could be wrong, but um, yeah, I, I just, I, I think I would right now see it as um, they don't make the opening day roster and they probably try to stuff them all in Norfolk, if not trade one of them um, for a piece that maybe ends up in Norfolk, you know, as, as a reliever, but they, they you know, a high upside or a lever, you never know. Um, With with team control, a lot of options left would would be something they'd probably look for. Um, I hope that answered his question.
0: That's good. Um, Good insight, as always, Andy. And uh, I know you've kind of teased out some articles that you have coming up on the banner here, but before you go, give our listeners a sense of uh, what you'll be writing coming up for the banner and what they could get by following the Orioles uh, in the banner this season.
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, in the next eight days or so I'll have a, I have a story on, uh, Colton Kowser um, and his, uh, hijinks in, in the, in the, in the clubhouse, but, you know, also like what, you know, how that looseness helps him play at a high level. Um, I have a story on Heston Kerstad, um, about his Arizona fall league and, uh, what he's done this spring to kind of impress everybody, um, with some insight from him about, you know, what he worked on and in Arkansas this offseason, you know, how what it meant to be back in, you know, playing in the Arizona fall League and, and kind of getting where baseball was an everyday thing for him again. Um those are the probably two big ones. Um then we'll have some, you know, season, you know, season preview content and, and once opening day arrives, uh, you know, we'll have a have a lot of a lot of stuff like that. And um yeah, won't won't give won't give everything away. Um but yeah hopefully hopefully you guys subscribe that'd be great i mean it would help me out if you wanted to that'd be awesome uh you know maybe uh if you find loose change you know give it to the banner that'd be pretty cool yeah definitely was- check out the baltimore banner orioles coverage
0: and the scan is required reading for me every morning in my inbox i always appreciate that so andy thank you so much for your time tonight
1: yeah of course i uh, appreciate you guys as always yeah. We will be yeah. back
0: next week with Connor Newcomb, the host of Locked on Orioles Ooh, to make our regular season predictions. Um, so be- stay tuned for that. In the meantime, continue to follow us on Twitter at BSL on the birds. Uh, we'll have all the latest Orioles coverage there every day and check out Baltimore as well. There's March madness coverage going on over there as well as NFL off season talk. And of course, Orioles spring training coverage while you're on the site, be sure to hop on the message board and join and discuss with fellow readers of the site, as well as contributors to BSL. We will have our first Major League Mailbag out this weekend to patrons first, and then out on our main feed before next Monday. So thank you to Andy Koska for his appearance tonight. For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. this is Zach Spedden, and you've been listening to On The Verge.
3: That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more.
2: You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are The Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel.